Uh, yes, thank you, Josh, and the worship team. Um, I'm kind of bummed because that was a banger set, and I could not sing along because I didn't want to blow out my voice. Um, but yeah, everyone out here, that was awesome. Because I couldn't sing, I was just listening to you guys, and wow, like you guys, everyone was in. And as a, as a worship team, we love that because it's not a performance. It's everyone worshiping God together. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So good morning, everyone. Um, welcome to everyone today here, as well as everyone online. Um, to anyone who's new, uh, or possibly just curious, or anyone, welcome to anyone who is new, or just returning, or just possibly curious. Before I forget, there is a nursery available to, for ages four and under in the back, um, in the back of the room downstairs. And in the back, we have a kid's table uh, with coloring books and some other activities. If you're new to East Pete Mennonite, I'm not the pastor. Um, that would be Chad sitting over there. Wave, wave hi, Chad. Um, Chad is our equipping pastor, and he get, and he's our ch equipping pastor, and it gives me and some others in our community uh, some opportunity to share today's message. This gives him more time for equipping and helping others in our church, and spoiler, that might be a common theme in today's message. If you don't know me, my name is Tim, Tim Funk, and I'm honored to be able to share today's message with you today. So before we get into today's message, let's do a quick recap, um, because we're going to rewind one week. He is risen. Okay, I was curious what you guys are going to say, because I come from a lot of different traditions. I wasn't, I wasn't sure if you guys were going to say amen, alleluia, he is risen indeed, but okay, so let's try it again. He is risen! Amen. All right. Okay, since we are only one week after Easter, um, I feel obligated to talk about Easter uh, before we move on. So why is Easter important? Um, it's because it's about, Easter is about Jesus' resurrection. As Chad showed us last week, Jesus' resurrection was different than the other resurrections we see in the Bible. As we look at other important dates in Christianity, Easter is the most important. Christmas means nothing without the resurrection. Good Friday, which was Jesus' death on the cross, means nothing without the resurrection. The resurrection shows us that Jesus is God. The resurrection shows us that eternal death does not need to be our future. The resurrection shows us that sin can be forgiven, that we have a second, a third, even a millionth chance to be with our Creator God forever. So if you'd like to know more about that, Chad's over there. He'll be more than happy to talk to you right now. If, if you want to go right now and talk to him, great. Um, I will not be offended. Um, or we can do something after. In the meantime, I'm gonna, I need to get move, moving forward for Acts. So since we took a few weeks off for Palm Sunday as well as Easter, this series for Acts has been running eight weeks. So if you're new, missed a few weeks, what I'm going to do right now is uh, fly through chapters one through five, do a quick summary do a quick summary of the lessons of the week, and then we'll move on today to today's lesson. So everyone's on the same page. So in Acts 1, we see two, two notable events. Jesus ascends into heaven, but first he tells the apostles the Holy Spirit's coming. Then the apostles choose Matthias to replace Judas. That's Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. Peter gives a sermon. 3,000 were baptized and received the Holy Spirit. Chapter 2 concludes with stating that the community was growing and many sold their possessions to give to anyone in need. Acts chapter 3. 
we see Peter's first healing miracle, and this gets everyone's attention, and the rest of the chapter is devoted to a long sermon by Peter. Um, there's quite a few sermons uh, by Peter through all of Acts, and what's really cool about that is you see a lot of uh, doxology and um, different things like that uh, come about with Peter's sermons of what we do uh, with our creeds. In Acts 4, uh, Peter and John are seized by the Jew religious Jewish power brokers, and they were questioned about the healing that we just saw in chapter 3. Peter preaches again uh, to those who were, he's, he's about to be questioned by, and they let him go. Then Peter and John return to the others, and they pray for boldness. Verse 31 says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Then the end of chapter 4 is an echo of chapter 2. More selling of possessions and sharing, and no one was in need, which then takes us into chapter 5. So end of chapter 4 was an echo of chapter 2, more selling of possessions, everyone sharing. Chapter 5 starts with um, a couple of Ananias and Sapphira selling their land to donate to the early church. Yay! But they hold some of the money back while claiming the full price, so their dishonesty ends up killing them. The apostles keep healing at an accelerated rate, doing greater things than Jesus had done. And then the apostles get questioned again by the Jewish religious leaders, and Gamaliel uh, convinces them to let them be. And I quote, if these men were from God, we wouldn't be able to stop them. We'd be fighting God. And that's chapters one through five. Quick whirlwind. As we spoke through each of these, we also had a lesson of the week. We didn't break the less weekly lessons by... Um, we didn't break the weekly lessons by an entire chapter, so you'll notice there's more lessons than chapters. So if you'd like to listen to any of the past lessons, we have them available online on Facebook. If that's not an option, um, we can get you an audio copy of any of the lessons, too, in some other manner. So for, as for the lessons, um, weeks one through four, week one, we need the Holy Spirit. Week two, God still speaks. Week three, when God moves, things change. And week four, Holy Spirit outpouring plus surrender equals radical living. Weeks five through eight, God is revealed through our faith. Week six, the Holy Spirit wants to fill us up. Seven, Christ is made visible through our stewardship of his gifts. Eight, Holy Spirit will guide us to what God's word means. And now we're all caught up. That was a lot. Take a deep breath. Okay. So, Today is going to be Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. So what I'm going to do first is we'll just read through all of 1 through 10, and then we'll start breaking it down. Acts chapter 6, 1 through 10. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because the widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicor, Anor, I should have practiced these, Timon, Parmenas, 
and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert, to, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from the freedmen of synagogue, from, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. So, what I'm going to try to do when we break this down is I'm going to try something a little different. So, with anyone with attention challenges, this is going to be perfect for you. Since we have 10 verses, I'm going to try to crank out 10 lessons of the week, one per verse. And Chad, don't freak out. I'm going to have one single overall lesson of the week. So, let's do verse 1 real quick. In those days when the number of Jews, sorry, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because the widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Here we see ethnicity or place of origin contributing to a division. I'm happy to see we never see anything like that anymore today. Yeah, it's an age-old problem. Paul even tried addressing divisions such as this much later in Galatians uh, uh, chapter 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, nor slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. But here we see the early church also taking care of widows, and we see a, direct, a directive we see in Deuteronomy. So in Deuteronomy we see, when you're harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do, no, do not go back and get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. widow. Lots of times you see foreign, fatherless, and widow all together as alien, orphan, and widow. When you beat the olives from your tree, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. So, why were the Hebraic Jews cared for and the Hellenized ones were not? Many reasons. It could have been traditions, it could have been culture, it could have been personal connections. There's many possibilities. I can't go into speculate all the details, and that's not what the talk about today. But what we can agree on is there's cultural divisions arising in the church. And this takes us to lesson number one. Satan will try to divide us in any opportunity possible. If we are busy arguing, arguing with each other and not in relationship with each other, how can we also be in a proper relationship with God? Remember, all of us are made in God's image. So the next three verses, we're going to look at all together, and then we'll hit them one by one. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them, and it will give attention to prayer and ministry of the word. Oops. A little too fast there. So as we see the theme of these three verses, there's another time when someone was doing way too much and they needed help. 
And that's when uh, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, came to visit Moses. So in this scene right here, we're going to see Moses and Jethro interacting with each other. And this is also before uh, the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law came. So the next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. They stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw, that Mo- saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is it you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? Why do you, why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to see me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen to me now, and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gains, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. But the simple cases they can decide for themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. So we see some similarities between Exodus and Acts. One person can't do it all. We all need help. So what does that look like? And I'll answer that soon, but in the meantime, here's lesson two. Oh, if you do, I sorry, I skipped the verse. Lesson two. The Torah is still filled with valuable lessons. So when I say the Torah is filled with valuable lessons, uh, if you don't know what the Torah is, the Torah is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Next we have verse 3. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of spirit and wisdom, and we will turn this responsibility over to them. So why seven? It could be a symbolic reason, such as seven is the biblical number for perfection. It could be practical. There's seven days of the week. So if you choose seven, each person could be responsible for each day of the week. But what follows, I think, is probably more important. They need qualifications of full of wisdom, full of spirit and wisdom. They need wisdom to justly and efficiently carry out their new duties. They need wisdom to quell any existing conflicts as well as prevent new ones. So that takes us to lesson three. Filling a position prematurely and incorrectly can be unwise. So here I'm going to do a quick aside of what I want to do is congratulate the bridge team and the pastoral search team for already knowing this lesson. If my memory serves me correct, it was around this time last year, we were already a few months into looking for a new pastor without being one, without being, while being without a pastor for quite an extended period of time. Their patience and discernment is commendable, that they passed up a few candidates and the search took longer than expected. 
but I'm hoping you agree with me that this team's patience and discernment has yielded us incredible dividends by waiting for Chad. So next we have verse 4. And it will give our attention and prayer to the ministry of the word. So now the apostles can focus on just a few duties. Beautiful. So with this verse, I'm kind of wondering if this is kind of the origin story to where the church begins to split various roles, split into various roles so that people can rise to the potential of their gift, giftings. That's a good thing. But we also see this kind of specialization can cause conflict. So what conflict could this, can this bring about? Well, some people might believe their specialty is more important than others. And then we're going to see much later, Paul has to address this in 1 Corinthians 12. This is his, we are one body but many parts speech. Each part is essential for the entire body to function well. That takes us to lesson four. Our community as a body can do more than just the sum of all of our individual parts. And next up, we have verse five. So this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also, a whole bunch of names I'm going to butcher again. Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. So, beautiful. The proposal pleased the whole group. We have a solution. And notice that all of these names, they appear to be Greek, which I find, I kind of find this interesting because this seemed to be a Greek-specific problem, and it was also solved by Greek men stepping up. So the lesson here is just because I can be part of the problem doesn't mean I can't be also part of the solution. Before these men stepped up, it may have been awkward due to a variety of logistical issues. And what I mean to say is, what if these Greek men jumped in to help, and they were helping the apostles prior to announcing some of their intentions? What if, in their helping, they made things worse because of miscommunication? Or they could have, because of this miscommunication and all of a sudden trying to help out, they caused more work for the apostles instead of less? We'd see chaos and disorder. Hint, chaos and disorder is bad. See Genesis 1. So... What we see is by defining the problem, they got agreements on the problem, they proposed a solution, and everyone got agreement on the solution. All of the parties were pleased. Next up, we have verse 6. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. I'm going to skip right to the lesson. We need prayer from each other. So... Have you ever been told you were prayed for? It's an honor and it's humbling. In our weekly announcements, in our weekly announcements and our email, we have, speci we have specific call-outs for, for those who need our prayer. Today, I highly encourage you to read that list and read it every week and pray for those who need it. Next up is verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And, the, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And the lesson here, the kingdom of God grows when we are both the hands and feet of Jesus. So recall earlier I mentioned in Paul's excerpt to 1 Corinthians 12 
um, summarized to be all parts of the body of Christ are acting together and shine as a better example as a way of life. But what's that better life? It's God's kingdom. So recalling the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are called to be the kingdom of God right now and act like it now. By showing others what the kingdom of God looks like now and modeling that behavior, I believe that could be a better evangelical tool to spreading the good news of the gospel than any preaching could ever do. So at the end of the Acts of verse 7, it says, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Let's look at that in contrast to what God is telling Moses in, in Exodus 19.6. You will be, for me, a kingdom of priests. So one thing you'll notice over time is a lot of the New Testament is going to draw a lot of phrases from the Old Testament. So let me take another step back and pause and issue an apology because this particular lesson is filled with churchy jargon. I, I emphasized and overused the word kingdom, and I never defined what it was. Unfortunately, I don't have time to explain it now. But that's the beautiful part of 10 lessons. Just ignore this one and pay attention to the rest of them. For those who know what kingdom is, keep paying attention, please. So kingdom is one of those many themes or topics that you see that's spread throughout the entire Bible. And maybe tackling church jargon or expanding the definition of these words, such as kingdom, could be a topic that we can consider for our adult connect groups in the future. Next up, we have uh, verse 8. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Jesus performed miracles. Then Peter and the apostles were performing miracles. And now we see Stephen performing miracles. So you notice this progression. Just like the mustard seed, the movement is growing, and now that Greek Jews, aka Christians now, they're performing miracles. The kingdom is here, and they're showing it's growing. And the lesson is, the power of Jesus is available to all of us. Verse 9. But opposition arose. However, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. So, trying to look up on these, on what the synagogue of freedmen was, um, it seemed to be that those were people who were once slaves and now freed, hence freedmen. They had more of a Greek or Roman background, but they converted to Judaism or always Jewish. But, they weren't always living in the traditional lands of the 12 tribes of, of, the, of Israel. So what we see now is Stephen is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's performing signs of wonder. What you'll see is a common theme is when the Holy Spirit comes knocking, trouble comes calling. So backtrack in my summary of Acts, we see the traditional Jewish leaders were harassing Peter. Now we see Stephen, a Hellenized Christian, getting harassed by their traditional Hellenized Jews. Same problem, different scenery. And that brings us to lesson number nine. Haters gonna hate. If you don't want to know what that means in the slang, we'll talk after. 
Next to verse 10. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. So just like Peter's interactions with the religious leaders and them failing, we see the same parallel here too. And that leads us to lesson 10. Let the Holy Spirit help you in your fight or not to fight. And what I mean by that is sometimes when you're trying to defend your faith or defend the arguments, being right might not be the correct strategy. You can win your arguments, but you can lose the heart. Conversely, you can lose an argument in the end, but you can win because of your demeanor or your love. Maya Angelou is attributed to saying, they may forget what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. So let's rely on the Holy Spirit to give us discernment to help us analyze our situation and to react in a way that's most kingdom-like. So that's all 10 lessons and all 10 verses in, chapters, in Acts chapter 6 that we've looked at today. Um, the band, you're free to come up now. As for the overall lesson of the week, um, I was all over the place on this. And I feel the overarching theme is wrapped up in lessons four and seven. So what I think the lesson of the week is, working together builds God's kingdom better than working alone. And let's close in prayer. Dear God, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us imagination to take these words and stretch them into lessons that we can apply to our lives today. And thank you for providing your church a way for us to model the endless love you provide for us. And thank you for Jesus, who reminded us of all these things. Jesus, who modeled all of these things. Jesus, who was God and who had the power to stop the earthly powers, but let himself be tortured and crucified. Jesus, whose resurrection showed us that love beats death. So thank you, God, for sending Jesus to show us we have death to fear no longer because you live. Amen.